This podcast is sponsored by the Center for Digital and Visual Literacy at Agnes Scott College. Today's episode is called Pose and Snap, and it's all about photography. Thanks to the popularity of Instagram and smartphones with increasingly stellar cameras, part of being digitally literate these days involves knowing how to take and share good photos. But what if you want to go beyond just good photos? I interview three professional photographers, each with different experience levels in the field. Khan is fresh on the scene. Mache has been a photographer for a few years. T has been in the game the longest of the three. Each interviewee has a different approach to photography and the digital tools used to refine, publish, and share photos. They also share some tips for those who want to take professional-level pictures. Let's get into the episode. Hey, would you mind introducing yourself and your relationship to photography? Hi, yes. My name is Khan Douglas-Williams. I am a full-time photographer. And when did you get into photography? About two years ago during uh, my uh, master's program. Uh, we had a class called Digital Storytelling. They issued us cameras. And for some reason, this time, it just it, it hit different. I had used cameras before, but never really felt like it did it that time. So yeah, ever since then, I never not owned a camera. So walk me through the process of the idea for a photograph to a published slash finish photograph. So lately, honestly, um, I think this is how it's always been in my head, but lately I'm big into mood boards now, um, physical, like either on a cardboard box or just, you know, doing something virtually. So the idea will pop in my head, whatever it is. And then I'm going to take it immediately to notepad if I can't, you know, do anything else at that moment. As soon as I'm able to sit down, I take it to a mood board and then I'm Googling that concept. So let's say the concept was, uh, let's say the concept was the realities of Marta as a street photographer. Then I'm typing in Marta into Google and going to images. I'm looking up inspirations. I'm going to Pinterest. I'm typing in subways, public transportation, looking for, for inspiration. And then once I have an idea of the shot or shots I want to take, um, it's a simple matter of just going out there to either execute or if it requires a, a model or muse, then going out to find the person who fits that aesthetic. Of course, then we go execute the division, hopefully, because sometimes things go left or sometimes things work out to be better than what you originally thought of. And then um, after that, in the post-processing, it, it's time to basically say, say, okay, who would be the best audience for this, just like any other post that people make. So you mentioned in your process of doing research on the concept, you, you mentioned several digital platforms. Mm -hmm. What drew you to those specific digital platforms? Just using them before and they, they being great sources of inspiration. I mean, I think Pinterest, this whole idea of the app is, you know, just a giant inspirational type of mood board thing. So I definitely go there for a lot for, you know, ideas on, on what's, what's out there, one, but also 
what's out there that I would like to try to that I can that I can use but not have to actually copy because it's one thing to see something that you know you can't like replicate without it being an exact copy but it's another to see a concept where you're like okay if I change this this and this then I can make it my own and publish that Pinterest is good for that um, there's also some other ones that are similar to Pinterest that I get on but they don't have as much content because they're newer so I'm just waiting for them to mm. build up a little more now. And then Google is, well, it's Google. Biggest <laughs> database in the world. If you want to find something, you got to get on Google to find it. And I do get a little bit of inspiration from Instagram, but like being that I follow a lot of local photographers on my Instagram, I try not to, you know, do too much as far as like borrowing from their ideas or using their inspirations because like, I think it's like, okay, that's pretty obvious where you got that from type of deal. Whereas I think mm -hmm. it's Pinterest, you know, it's, it's more vague. You, like I said, you can remix it and make it your own, but at the same time, it's still not easily recognizable to, I guess, somebody who would say, okay, uh, oh, yeah, I know this other photographer that's over in Stockbridge, and they did the same kind of thing. I'm like, oh, uh, yeah, I know. That's the person I saw the idea from. So I try to stay away from the local stuff. But, yeah, um, any medium. I mean, sometimes I like get inspiration even outside of, like, the Internet, like just being downtown in Atlanta, uh, you'll see a lot of things that'll pop, that'll make think like make ideas start spinning in your head, especially during, especially during this pandemic when like the streets were completely empty. Like I think every photographer and their mama tried to fly out to the empty cities just to get photos like that because it's like that's a one-time thing you'll never see again. And then they they took those concepts and they started like changing the ideas and remixing things and doing all sorts of photo manipulation. It was really cool. I couldn't get in on that because I was still learning the craft, but you know, next time without a pandemic. So you mentioned at the end of your process, you target specific audiences depending on the photo. That in mind, how do you think digital sharing platforms affect the world of photography? Mm -hmm. Digital sharing platforms can seem to be like the best thing that ever happened to a photographer, but at the same time, it's also a really sharp double-edged sword. Um, because now you kind of get overwhelmed and you kind of feel like just a drop in the, in a sea of, 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 of photographers, to be honest, because everybody's putting out pictures, everybody's putting out content. So you really try to, got to try to figure out what makes you stand out and, and find your own mission, find your own style. And as a, as a newer, um, photographer to the industry, that's even more, um, on my mind, right? Cause like I'm putting out my content now, people love it. But I am still putting, to me, me personally, I'm still putting out the the clean, crisp photo and not the photo with my specific style, if you know what I'm saying. But I'm developing mm -hmm. it short, uh, slowly but surely. So once I get something where if you look at my photos, you can tell, okay, that's something that, you know, that's an iconic photo. Then I'll be, then I'll be in there like other uh, photographers that I've noticed. If I can see a photo and I see see it composed a certain way, I can instantly tell they were inspired by Gordon Parks or inspired by Andy Leibovitz because of like the elements they try to use. Or I can tell there's, there's another photographer, I forgot uh, what her name was. She uses like a nine light setup. And mm -hmm. other folks I see who try to imitate that is easily recognizable. So like to stand out in, in a sea of like everybody named Mama got a camera type deal, especially with smartphones. With smartphones now, I made taking very good photos, which is also a good yet um, sometimes bad things. So like, you got to really, I don't know. I feel like they're the best thing ever. Cause like you can get your name out there, but you got to fight twice as hard just to stand out. Yeah. The, uh, 
that is something that photographers these days have to fight with that uh, photographers in the past didn't yeah. really have to. So you mentioned uh, honing your craft and your style, which brings me to my finalish question. Uh, how does one become a good photographer? Practice. Um, and by practice, I mean like of every photographer that I've ever talked to, whether it be through Clubhouse in person or just watching the photographers on YouTube, every single photographer I've ever watched, listened to, or talked to has said, go out there and just take pictures. Just just keep taking photos until you're sick of taking photos and then take more photos. Something I'm familiar with, you know, uh, as far as other stuff that I used to do or other stuff that I still do, just getting better at it is just keep doing it. I'm also a writer. So I know in order to keep better, get better at writing, I got to keep writing. I also got to read. So I also uh, read. I bought a couple of photography books. Um, I'm actually about to buy another one um, pretty soon uh, about lighting because I, I feel like that's the area that I could use some improvement on. Um, watching uh, tons of YouTube videos. Shout out to YouTube, YouTube University. Um, and But mainly just going out there to shoot and practice and take as many photos as you can because the more you do it the more you start seeing stuff that you didn't notice before now i'm starting to be you know in public doing regular things not just not i'll have my camera with me but it's not i'm not i'm not out there to shoot i'm like out there to go to like brunch with a friend and i'll see angles that i've never i know i never would have noticed before and so it's it's something about just executing and going out there and just keep repeating the process that makes I don't know. It's it's, it's kind of like um, it's kind of like steel sharpening steel, but you are you are the steel that's sharpening yourself in a, in a sense. Um, so yeah, that's that's the one thing I think if anybody wants to get into it, they would have to do is take plenty of pictures. And it doesn't matter what your gear is. If you have an iPhone seven, iPhone twelve, or one of these new fancy pants six K cameras or whatever, shooting forty eight. KHD, like, look, it doesn't matter. Just take, just keep shooting. <laughs> 48K HD, <laughs> like that. <laughs> That's real. Uh, <laughs> hey, look, they do, they come, they keep upgrading to like this stuff. Like, I, I remember it was 4K, and here was my 4K, and I'm like, okay, cool. I got me a nice little 4K camera. Now it's on 8K, and I'm like, okay, wait, how, wait, what happened to five, six, and seven? So, like, I don't know what's out there anymore. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um, technology really evolves quickly so that was all the questions but in the meantime thank no you problem. thank you definitely fun would you care to introduce yourself yes so my name is michelle McWayne. i am a student at agnes scott college i am currently a junior and i serve at the cdbl as a tutor and what is your relationship with photography I have been doing photography since high school, so it's been about eight years. Um, I have loved taking pictures since my grandpa put his camera in my hands. So since then, I've developed and grown my business, Shea Butter Studios. I mostly take like family photos, but I also do more um, studio now. I'm getting more into that. So my relation to photography is basically just my business that I'm currently growing. Yeah, that makes sense. The first question that I want to ask is, Walk us through the process of formulating the idea for a photo to the finished product. 
that you share or give to the client? So photography is an art form. I typically do the same thing I would do with like a drawing or a painting or any other piece. I sit, I think, I write down ideas. I'll look at other people's work to get inspiration. And then I kind of just go for it. There's such a difference between like actually serving your client and doing your own photos. With my own photos, I think I have more creative liberty. I kind of just do whatever I want. Um, Right now I'm doing a lot of self-portraits. I'm just kind of getting creative with that. My next one, I'm doing like a forest theme. So that'll be interesting, but that's not something I would normally do with a client. I would typically ask them what they want to see, uh, what specifically they want to capture because it's normally families or children or things like that. So just getting inspiration first and then taking creative liberty as much as you can. I imagine that you were just taking photos for yourself and then eventually you felt comfortable enough to start taking photos for other people. Mm -hmm. So how does one become a good photographer? Like what's your advice for that? I've noticed a lot that posing is very, very important. It's really about practice because as a photographer, you're kind of thinking on your feet. I really started with bringing my like phone to photo shoots, having a whole list of what poses I was going to do, yada, yada, yada. But as time goes on, you kind of just remember those poses. You remember what looks good on certain people, what their uh, certain body types and things like that. So it's really just about practicing getting used to interacting with other people if you're taking pictures of other people and if you're taking pictures of yourself then just getting comfortable with yourself and how your body moves. So you feel that practice makes perfect? Or almost perfect, but yeah. Almost perfect. (laughs) (laughs) So you mentioned your phone and the last question that I have is talking about how do you think digital sharing platforms and modern photography tools such as a nice cell phone have affected the world of photography? I've seen a few YouTube videos where people have like compared their Google Pixel or their iPhone 11, iPhone 12 to their DSLR, and the photos still look pretty amazing. So I think it just allows more access for people because of course, most people have smartphones. They might not necessarily have the nicest one. They have a decent camera. And so that allows people to practice on their own time before actually investing in a nice camera because cameras are expensive. So that whole thing with the phones and the fact that people have so much access to information, like I got all my information from YouTube on how to do photography, how to edit photos, how to use my Nikon. It just allows you more access, basically, in my opinion. Do you feel photo sharing platforms like Instagram has affected the world of photography in terms of like audience and that sort of thing? When you say audience, what do you mean? Like just people looking at your photos or clients? Both. For example, has it affected how you take photos, what you know looks good on a phone screen versus what looks good printed out like how Mm -hmm. is it affected your process how I do it yeah yeah so I have of course a separate photography page so I follow all the photography people that I really like on there 
it makes me want to push harder because I realize that my quality is good, but it's, it could be better. It's kind of hard with the whole Instagram thing because your quality actually does decrease on there. It doesn't show the full quality of the image. And then also I've noticed the color difference is, I don't know why, I'm still learning it, but there's a color difference between my laptop and my phone, even though they're both Apple products. I've had to deal with that before. But it also just Instagram gives you more, it gives you more exposure, obviously, because more people see your artwork, they see your um, pictures. While you were talking, I was thinking about photographers from back in the day who didn't really have platforms like Instagram to mm-hmm. upload their work to. Yeah, my grandpa, I'm sure, is ha- he has a blast sharing his photos on Facebook um he shares a little too much but he has been doing photography for a long time and I think he enjoys the fact that he can share all his photos now to everybody without printing them yes (laughs) so in terms of the interview uh that's it oh cool yeah yeah awesome would you mind introducing yourself my name is T Barnes class of uh, 2016 and I work in uh, conception, but I am an art major. And how is your relation to photography? So ironically, I've done so many things since graduating from college at Agnes. And I've had to use my photography skills every step of the way. And here lately, the most important part of that skill, I think a lot of photographers don't really focus on, is how to write and talk about my work. I'm in construction, so I take a lot of progress photos. I take a lot of renditions and examples for clients and whatnot. But just sending them a picture of what I think something could be or sending them a progress photo, you know, sometimes not as helpful. So I use a lot of my writing skills as far as how to talk about the intent and the purpose of the picture and what it's supposed to be and what it could be. I find that super duper helpful and something that I'm constantly using. And writing is something that I really got to work on at Agnes. Cool. So that kind of leads me into my first official question. Walk us through your process of creating a photograph from idea to publishing it or giving it to the person who wants it. I have two different processes. One, uh, if I'm, if this is just a creative work, instead of trying to think of the end result, I focus more on the process. So I'll do a lot of like studies, Uh, I'll do a lot of sketching before I take the pictures just to get an idea of what I want and what areas I possibly have to troubleshoot, whether it be lighting, whether it be framing, or trying to catch rhythm or movement or mood in a picture. So those are things I'll think about beforehand. But I won't focus too hard on one particular element because in the creative process, I like things to be a little, little bit organic. So when I'm making a picture, when I'm taking a photo for a creative purpose, there's a lot of creative time, a lot of thinking, a lot of sketching, a lot of like what I used to think was like, oh man, I'm wasting time or I'm just floundering. And now I look back and I see that that's part of the creative process. It's like brainstorming. So I'll do that. And then from there, I'll uh, look at the, the, the whole, the aggregate, and then I'll start to see what are some reoccurring themes or elements that I see in that. And then from there, I'll go back and take more photos but they'll be a little bit more focused on whatever particular element that I saw or felt in that creative process. And then from there, I'll polish the photos. I'll do whatever I need to do. 
that whole process is what helps me with the writing process and the communication process about why this photo, what this photo, for what, you know? So that's that process. Now, when I'm taking photos for a particular client or I'm taking photos for a particular reason, it's kind of like I'm doing the process in reverse a little bit. So I'll spend more time basically writing and thinking like, okay, so what's the purpose? And that's where I'll lean on my photojournalism background where I, you know, focus on the who, what, when, where, and why. What is the purpose of this? Then with that information, then I can go ahead and go out and take the photos with, with those things in mind. And I'm looking for that particular image. And once I take, you know, those images, um, I will clean them up, enhance them and whatnot. And then um, I'll go back and review them either with the client or with myself. And then it becomes more of an iterative process where I'm whittling down and polishing from there. And then once that's done, I've already done the writing in the first place. And so I'll, you know, I'll clean up and do the write-up at the end. So what do you use in terms of digital tools? So I'm very into Lightroom. I really like Lightroom. I love how you can have presets. And I like to tell folks if you're going to use Lightroom, I know once you open it up, if you've never used it before, you'll feel real inundated. There's like all these sliders and controllers and whatnot. Well, that's when you start using the presets. If you have a particular style of photography or if you have a particular genre, you can create these presets and it'll make posts so much faster. So I use Lightroom, but also a trick that I like to use is a, there's this website called Creative Market and you can buy, you know, Lightroom presets, you can, any sort of digital asset you can purchase from them. But the cool thing about it is once you sign up to be a free member, every Monday they'll send you a new digital asset for free. And over time, I've amassed a large Lightroom preset library. So instead of having to go through and create these presets myself, I get to go ahead and use these presets and then tweak them to what I need them to be. Also, if you don't have Lightroom, you can use whatever you have, whatever is available. You don't have to get the most fancy, most expensive software out there. You can use what basically free on your computer because what you're ultimately doing is cleaning up the photos you took. In my opinion, if you're having to do a lot of post work on your photo, you should probably go back and retake those photos. Because a lot of those things you can fix with lighting, you can fix with framing, you can fix with the basic elements and principles of not just art and design, but of photography. So maybe you can adjust your f-stops and maybe adjust your shutter speeds or whatever, and then bring it back into whatever basic tool you have, whether it be the basic photo editor you have on your computer that comes for free, and, you know, adjust exposure a little bit and clean it up. That's really interesting. Earlier, you mentioned the writing part. When you are writing, how does that work in conjunction with photography? All right. So I've always been taking pictures, but my photos haven't really improved until I started learning how to draw. And I thought, like most people, like, oh, I can't draw, you know, I can only do six figures. And I I took a few drawing classes at Agnes. And my professors weren't teaching me how to draw. They were teaching me how to observe, how to look. And when you break it down like that, if you can describe what you're seeing and then put it to pencil, you can write about it. Say you take a picture of something. Instead of writing about the subject, there is a dog on the beach and it looks like to be midday. Instead of just writing that, you write it as if you break it down. So you're like, subject is off to the right. You break it down to thirds. And the lighting is coming from above, appears to be midday. There appears to be movement because of the waves, the water crashing down. You can describe the mood of the photo. You can describe the shapes. You can describe the shadows. You can describe the things that you see, but you don't say, if that makes any sense. So if you focus on that, you start to see the picture in a different way. You start to see more of the picture. Does that make sense? 
Yes, I find that pretty fascinating. So that kind of leads me to my next question. How does one become a good photographer? Anybody's a photographer. I took a photography class outside of Agnes. I take as many classes as I can. And at this one particular class at Wolf Camera, the instructor said, what's the best camera for a photographer? What's the best camera a photographer can have? And while I'm thinking, people were shouting out answers. And he was like, it's whatever camera you have access to. Whatever you have right there, that's the best camera. What makes a photography is you capturing the moment. If you're not capturing the moment, there's no photograph. And if you apply the basics of photography and the elements of design, any photograph can be amazing. There are photographs that people take with their iPhones or they take with pinhole cameras that are just amazing quality. And you would think they took it with, you know, a $5,000 Canon Zeta. I think number one, the way to become a good photographer is just to start taking pictures. Don't get focused on your equipment. Just go grab a camera, your phone, whatever, and start taking pictures. Number two, keep a photo journal. Take the pictures, look at your photos, and describe them. Pay attention to what your f-stop was. What was your shutter speed? What was your lighting situation like? And make notes of that. And if you can, adjust those settings and try to capture the same photo. So you get to understand what it means to adjust your shutter speed. What happens when you adjust your shutter speed when you're taking an action photo? What happens when you adjust your f-stop when your lighting changes? You know, what happens when you adjust your exposure? What does that even mean? So when you do that, you get to understand not just photography, but you get to understand your specific camera. My last tip is to write. Write about your photos. Write about it in a way that's creative, as if it's an artist statement. Write about it. Because if you can write about your photos, that'll help you take better photos as far as capturing moments, framing them, the intent behind the photos. Instead of just taking 10,000 pictures and then scrolling through all 10,000 to find that amazing one. So instead of trying to find the lucky shot, go out there and see the shot before it happens and then capture the moment. And you can't do that unless you know what you're looking for. And the best way to know what you're looking for is to write about it, talk about it. Yeah. So with this conversation in mind, talking about writing and talking about any camera is a good camera and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. How do you think digital sharing platforms affect the world of photography? That's an amazing question. It's also a controversial question, too. (laughs) So when I got into photography, like seriously got into photography, when I first started writing for my school newspaper, when I first wanted to start using it into my art, there was this like conversation happening in photography where the advent of really great camera phones and really cheap micro four thirds cameras and mirrorless cameras were coming out. Folks were feeling like, oh, well, anybody can be a photographer. The old school traditionalists felt like that was a bad thing for the genre or for the art, right? When then you have other folks, and this, this is the camp I'm a part of, I feel like because technology has made photography accessible, it's made art more accessible, it's made communication more accessible, and I love it. I love the way we're able to instantaneously share pictures. And whether you realize it or not, what's happening when we share these pictures on social media? What's happening as soon as we share these photos? Scroll down to the comments. People are talking about it. And I feel like that's the whole point of creating art is to get people to feel things, to talk about things, right? So then that goes back to like, what's a bad photo? What's a good photo? What's a bad art? What's good art? I feel like if you're talking about it, it's good. It's creating a conversation. So 
I love what social media, what the internet has done and what technology has done for photography. I like to say it's made everybody a photographer. Anybody can become a photographer today. You don't need a really nice setup. You don't need to have all this knowledge about like how to develop film and access to a dark room and stuff. You don't need that. You can just go out there and start taking pictures and then you're posting it and talking about it. So I think in that sense, it's made it more accessible. I've always felt like art and creativity should be something that's accessible to everyone without the pretense of is it good art, is it bad art? Is it a good picture, is it a bad picture or whatnot? So you mentioned there is controversy within the photographer community about the effect of social media. What are the naysayers saying? It's a little bit of gatekeeping. Photography used to be something that's more of one of those rare art forms where you're one part creative. But then on the other hand, it's very technical, especially in the early days where you had to develop your own film or when you had to uh, really, there were no automatic controls. Any camera today, even your iPhone or any, any phone, you know, you go open up the picture mode and then when you go to settings or whatever, it's, it's set on auto. And you have other, you know, if you could take it off the of auto and put it on manual mode. You can adjust like the exposure and the zoom and, you know, lightweight other things. But back before there were like modes like that, everything was analog. Everything was with your naked eye. Everything was technical. A picture could be ruined because you overexposed it. And not only that, film was something that was very, I won't say limited, but it was like finite. You can buy a roll of film and it'd be anywhere between 12 photos to like 36 photos. But that's it. That's all you had. And if you mess up that roll of film, you know, by going through, <laughs> going through airport security or exposing it to the magnets or to the lights, that roll is, is, is done. So that day, you cannot recreate that moment. You can't recreate and you didn't get a chance to see it. So even if you were to get into film photography, let's say you weren't that rich, then you really had to pay attention to your photos. You really had to pay attention to your settings and to your film and stuff like that. Whereas today, you don't have to know anything. You just have a phone and battery, and you can literally hold down your shutter speed. And people do this without even realizing it. Hold down your shutter speed. And then you just roll through and be like, oh, that's, I don't like that picture. I like this picture. So the approach of taking the photo, the thought, the planning, the care you would put into capturing these moments is gone with the camera. You just need to face it up and take these pictures, right? There's no thought. So that's the divide. The divide is, I feel like, is access. So I feel like traditionalists, they feel like they had to work hard for the access and whatnot and technical know-how. They had to actually study and make mistakes. Sometimes when I talk to those people, I say like, well, you know, when, when you got the chicken pox vaccination, were you like, oh, it's not fair that people later on are not going to have chicken pox like I did. Like, that's kind of silly. Technology is just what it does. It makes things more accessible. Roll with it. Everybody just roll with it. <laughs> That's it for this episode of The Digital Breakdown. Special thanks to Con Douglas-Williams, Mache McElwain, and T. Barnes for being interviewed in this episode. Check the description to see where to find them on the internet. We'd also like to thank Jacqueline Boyle-Maldano and Lisette Rojo-Ramirez for helping produce this episode. As for our audience, we want to hear from you. Send us a message on the Anchor app or email us at cdvl at agnescott.edu with your thoughts. See you next time.